13 Days of Halloween. A remote hotel, the most unusual guests, a tour guide that can't be trusted. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? They sound like someone you trust. I know you can hear me. Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. One story each night, starting October 19th and ending on Halloween. From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Fight Night, a new podcast from iHeartRadio. They thought he had robbed the deadliest man in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. This story from Atlanta, Georgia, has been reported for 50 years. But now, for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Thursday, September 3rd. Remember when the internet was just used for emailing and stealing pirated music from Napster? The good old days. Yes, internet and technology have all advanced to a point where we can stream any entertainment we want. We can video meet with people in dozens of countries at the same time. We can even open the garage door from 10 miles away. But the internet advancements have also given forum and fertilizer to some of the most outlandish and antisocial behaviors and views that are proliferating not only on social media, but also in some of the darkest corners of the interwebs. Most recently in the news, the phenomenon that is QAnon. I'm Clay Aiken, and this week, Politicon follows the lead of most of the nation's schoolchildren with a bit of online distance learning, courtesy of two of the country's foremost expert journalists on some of the internet's most insane conspiracy theories and their effects. Oliver Darcy is senior media reporter for CNN, covering the intersection of media and politics. Brandy Zadrozny, is a correspondent for NBC News who's reporting on QAnon, Jeffrey Epstein, and other dark, secret issues has garnered wide international acclaim. So what the heck is QAnon? How did it start? How did it spread? How can it be stopped? Or do we just live in a world where we have to put up with these types of conspiracy theories? And if we do, how the heck are we going to get along? Randy, Oliver, thank you guys so much for joining us. I am kind of excited about this episode because we have been talking about QAnon for weeks and longer now, and it's come up several times on the podcast. And every time it comes up, I say to the producers, okay, what is QAnon? I don't even know what it is. And I think it's become this big uh, kind of mythical creature for a lot of people who, you know, only casually pay attention to the news. And so many of us don't even understand what the hell people are talking about when they say QAnon. So I'm, I'm excited to have the two of you here because it's sort of different for us to just really have an educational episode where we can just learn about what it is we're talking about. We're not, not to have folks yelling at each other or, or, debating topics so much as just kind of teaching us what the heck QAnon is. And you two both have spent plenty of time sort of looking into 
is it is it fair to call it a conspiracy theory? Is that what it is? Um, it's not just a conspiracy theory, Brandy. Is it? It's a whole. Is it a network? Just I don't even know how to ask the question. What the f- is QAnon, Brandy? Um, QAnon is uh, a conspiracy theory born, bred, uh, and very much part of the internet. It's um, it it's, it almost doesn't matter what they believe, but I'll tell you anyway. You know, it's born um, of this idea that. Um, Democrats, Hollywood elite, literally, you know, everybody's eating at a pizza shop are all sort of part of this satanic cabal that um, abuses and in some cases eats children. Um, it's ludicrous. It's very stupid. And um, it they've made a lot of predictions on this guy Q um, who's posted to the chans and then now he's got his own little fringier site. And for a long time, this like, you know, mysterious Q posted these drops that claimed, Oh, and you know, Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested and shackled and brought to Guantanamo Bay. And you know, that stuff never materializes, but um, these people sort of uh, just watch these Q drops and sort of feed on them and like to decipher them and pretend that they're, um, you know, falling down the rabbit hole, figuring out these clues and they never materialize and it never, never really much matters. But what, what really has happened and why you don't know what understand, why you don't know what it is and don't understand what it is, is because um, it's turned into something more aligned with just mainstream MAGA, where it's people who aren't going to the crazy fringe, win, uh, fringe website to find these clues are still getting Q messages and Q memes and spreading that themselves. So you have this whole spectrum of QAnon believers from the diehard people who are, you know, on this fringe website looking for the clues that never materialize to the people who are just sharing Q memes and their Facebook groups and joining these crazy Facebook groups and then thinking that they're saving all the children. Um, it's a big, crazy conspiracy theory. Again, it's very stupid and it's very politically expedient to Donald Trump. Oliver, if someone asked you what is QAnon, is is your description similar to Brandy's or how would you describe it? I do agree with Brandy. Um, you know, I, the only thing I would say is I think it's less at this point of a specific conspiracy theory. And it's really more of a virtual cult. It, it's an umbrella really for a, a, a wide variety of conspiracy theories. So you have this, this um, you know, it's a, it's the overarching thing that that ties the string for a lot of different conspiracy theories online. Um, and, and I think one point, you know, that I, I'd make right away is I'm sure a lot of listeners are wondering, why do people believe this? How, how, why, why is it that they think that there are satanic pedophiles in Hollywood and government operating this child sex ring and that Trump has been recruited by the military to fight back against it? And, and I think it's because um, there, there has really been a, a mass poisoning going on in society, in American society, uh, for several years now, for some time, maybe, maybe even longer than several years. Uh, people's minds have been corrupted by junk news, other conspiracy theories, outright propaganda, you know, served up on dishonest sites, uh, social media platforms, talk radio, Fox News. And this is something that I don't think our country has fully reckoned with. Um, people's minds have been primed to believe crazy conspiracies like this. You know, when you can't tell what is up, what is down, you're more inclined, I think, to believe uh, these theories that uh, aim to explain the world away and aim to explain society's ills and why, um, you know, uh, politics is the way it is. Uh, And so you end up with people uh, believing uh, 
crazy things like the uh, President of the United States is secretly fighting against a satanic uh, sex trafficking ring. Okay, I, I just gotta, I gotta, I wanna go back to it because I'm sort of blown away. The satanic ring of people who molest and eat children. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly when you said that, Brandy. I know I, I'm coming at this sort of blind, hearing that QAnon has, has been associated with Trump supporters a few times. But that, that seems just, I mean, obviously it goes without saying that it seems ridiculous, but I... To hear Oliver, to hear you say that, yes, because I, I agree with you when you say that people are looking for some way to explain certain things, but that seems like a little bit of a stretch. Um, is that really the basis? Was that the first accusation? Was that the first of these Q drops, Brandy? Is that where is that where it started? People bought into that particular um, conspiracy first? No, well, it first started with the the Hillary Clinton will be. Um, marched off to Guantanamo sort of posts. But, you know, this isn't the first, let's also back up. This isn't the first sort of um, a non person to high, uh, to blow up a, a message board or a web form. You know, we had FBI and on, um, White House and on, CIA and on. This just really stuck. Um, so it was just a general, like, ridiculous posting that just really took off for a number of reasons. But yes, um, the idea is that there's this, um, there's this thing in, in blood and, uh, when children get really scared, it releases this hormone and it becomes this powerful, potent elixir, um, for the, the most powerful people on the planet. So, <laughs> so, is, um, <laughs> so there's, there is a Q you're telling me there is one person named Q who is leading these, who's starting these stories. It's not a group think situation. There's actually some, there's one person somewhere who started it that is named Q on these, on these forums. Uh, yes. But you, in terms of like who started the uh, children eating satanic cult thing, I mean, that's been around as long as people have been around. You know, we believe that uh, this is a, an old a conspiracy against Jewish people, blood libel, and we had the 80s uh, satanic panic. Like, this is not, it's not crazy that anybody believes this, although it is the crazy idea. So I just want to put that out there too. Although to normal people, that seems insane. A lot of people have believed that for a lot of time. Do you think that it could have been started as, I mean, I, I'm trying to fathom it all. Do you think that it could have been started as a joke or as fan fiction and people just started buying into it? Is this Q person continuing to feed new theories or or feed this particular rumor or are there new rumors that are that are being born as as the months go on yeah i mean there's there's always a new rumor like there was a rumor in uh 2018 that the uh, a, a, a missile was trying to assassinate president trump on air force one there's i mean it Again, it's it's almost ludicrous to even try to keep up with the the drips and drops of conspiracies because often it's just nonsense that people who are in desperate need of some sort of sense in their lives and connection and just purpose are sitting there, you know, making um, are getting some sort of intel from these things, and then they go on Facebook and you know, again, promote these crazy conspiracies. Um, I think I think I appreciate what you're trying to do, but at the same time, uh, you're sort of putting logic where there where none can be found well okay fair (laughs) i I don't disagree with that but you know oliver there is it has become something that has been in the news 
more often. I mean, I I guess that sure I can think back to lots of fan fiction crap online or mm-hmm. people reading into things on message boards uh, for for years, but this one has been in the news more often. Why do you think it's gotten more attention? Why do you think if or do you think it should be continuing to get the attention that it's getting, or should we be rolling our eyes at it? Well, well at this point, I don't think you can actually roll your eyes at it. Um, you know, this has seeped into uh, the Republican Party in ways that I think even the establishment uh, has uh, been horrified by, right? You have uh, at least one uh, Republican candidate who is set to enter Congress who believes in this theory. You have the president of the United States, uh, you know, asked about it, kind of fanning the flames of this theory. So it's not really possible to ignore, um, you know, what is pretty much, it's a, it's a very large virtual cult at this point. You know, there's a, a lot of people who um, believe in this. Uh, Brandy's done some great work, and I, I think she can elaborate more, but there are Facebook groups with quite a few members, or at least there were, um, who were, you know, feeding into each other's uh, uh, belief about Q, and they're reading the tea leaves and doing all these sorts of things. There, there are large communities that have been built around this conspiracy, and so it's not really possible at this point, to ignore it. And I think one thing that it's worth uh, saying is is none of this probably would have been possible without social media sites like Facebook and like YouTube and, and even Twitter um, who did not take action on, uh, you know, really curbing the spread of this conspiracy theory until recently, until it was too late, until it spread to millions and millions of people, they finally took action. But, you know, it's what sort of too like... Late too- mean? Well, it's sort of like the toothpaste that's out of the bottle. You know, you have a lot of people who believe in this conspiracy theory now. And so I guess it's better than nothing, right, that they ended up taking action. And I'm sure it will have some effect on people's ability to uh, monitor the theory. But I think the diehards, and I think there are a lot of diehards out there, uh, are still going to be, you know, looking for the cue drops, analyzing these things, and talking about it in private groups where, it's much more difficult for a company like Facebook to to track and keep track of. Well, I mean, if I'm if I go on Facebook tomorrow and I type in something as outlandishly, or on Twitter and type in something as outlandishly ludicrous and unfathomable as some of these accusations are, I mean, Brandy, you yourself were saying we're trying to find logic where there is none, and they're just complete nonsense. Would if if I mean I can't even come up with anything as as ridiculous. But if I said that, you know, Dan Forrest, who's running for governor in North Carolina, eats babies, would it be within the realm of Facebook or Twitter's code of ethics or terms of terms and conditions to take a post like that down? When I think most people would or at least should read what I post and recognize that's just that's just nonsense. I mean, we're we're both saying on this on this uh, podcast here that these conspiracies are so ridiculous that they don't necessarily deserve to to be taken seriously at all. And we're also saying that Facebook and Twitter and social media should have taken them more seriously earlier on. Is it fair to be bothered by the fact that they didn't when most of us would have probably seen the first one and just sort of rolled our eyes at it, Oliver? 
Sorry, was that for Brandy or was that for me? Well, for, yeah, well, for you, since you were talking about social media, oh. either one of you can answer it then. Oh, sure. I, I, I think it, I think it certainly was, you know, it started off small. And so you can, um, you can sort of understand why social media companies would not have taken action. But, you know, for quite some time, um, it, it, it's, it's been a large virtual cult on these social media platforms and it has led to real world effects. Uh, right. You know, there was, uh, for instance, some woman in Illinois who was uh, arrested and she had been inspired by the pro um, Trump QAnon conspiracy theory. And she 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 had, uh, you know, threatened to kill Biden. You know, th- there are real world effects to this conspiracy theory. And they've been for a while. They have been thriving on Facebook. They've been thriving on YouTube and Twitter. And, and these companies kind of, you know, turn a blind to them. Uh, now I think they're acknowledging that 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 th- these are um, dangerous theories that can have real world world consequences. But they should have really known that, you know, a year ago. Uh, I, I, you can give them some slack and say, hey, they didn't they didn't recognize it right away because it was small, but it, it did spread like wildfire. And, and um, if these companies are are actually paying attention to what's going on on their platforms, which you would hope they are, they should have known this. Brandy, you are. I mean, you're sort of a resident expert uh, at NBC, especially of, of, of this field of uh, inquiry, really. When did you realize that this story um, or these stories or this, this stuff that was going on, whether it be 4chan or Reddit or, or wherever QAnon, wherever you started noticing this phenomenon happening, when did you realize that it was something that didn't need to be ignored anymore. Um, I think in, in, well, we were watching this because a lot of it was taken, taking the, um, the pizza gate conspiracy, like Oliver was saying, and we saw that that could, you know, erupt into real world violence. So we were sort of watching it. Like we, my colleague, Ben Collins and I, we just sort of like wait around in the internet's like most disgusting places, sadly. Um, and so for a while we saw it and it was on, you know, the chance, no big deal. Even then like, okay, it went to Reddit. That's no big deal. But then, um, it started blowing up on, when it started blowing up on YouTube. And then in 2018, when Reddit said, no, we're going to kick these guys off because they're inciting violence. Then we saw a huge jump and it jumped to Facebook. And when it jumped to Facebook and really started growing there, I mean, I just did, uh, I just, broke a story that showed an internal investigation and Facebook showed that there were thousands of QAnon groups with millions of members. So just think about that. So now it's become a thing where, okay, this thing has become mainstream. We saw it in 2018 and Ben Collins and I really tracked the spread of it. We saw how it was going from the fringe sites to more respectable platforms and we followed it just like a lot of extremist ideas, French sites, and then it goes to people make YouTube videos, ha- have subreddits or whatever, and to larger sites, and then it reaches the president. Um, so that's what we sort of saw here and, you know, cringed along the way, like, please don't make me cover this. Please don't make me cover this. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, I feel like all I'm covering is QAnon. Is there, is there an argument that, to be made that had Reddit not kicked them off? that they might not have moved to some of these more public, I mean, Reddit is public, obviously, but they might not have moved to something as more, as, as broad based as Facebook. Oh no, absolutely not. So the, 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 
the cycle was already taking place before Reddit did that. What Reddit did, um, and what it's shown often is that it showed a good model that deplatforming works. So when you're right, people will move to other spaces and somewhat they did move to Facebook, but Reddit, you know, boomer dads aren't really going on Facebook, right? Like, uh, aren't, sorry, aren't really going on Reddit. So it wasn't going to reach the community of sort of older white MAGA people that it really reached once it got on Facebook. So once it got on Facebook, it was going to get there anyway. It really exploded. What Facebook could have done is say, oh, Pizzagate, that's really dangerous. QAnon is like the group pictures had, you know, Podesta in a satanic outfit, you know, cutting up a child. Maybe this is a bad group that we don't want on our platform. That might incite violence. Instead, they allowed it to grow forever. Finally, when it was, (laughs) it's too huge to really do anything about it now, they're cutting it off, sort of. Um, So that's where we are. Is there and even? Way, I would just yeah, add even even Reddit. You know, when they took action, it had really already seeped into the real world by then. I, I think uh, at least not a lot of people started paying attention to this when it started showing up at Donald Trump's rallies. Right when there were signs that said "We are Q" and there were T-shirts with with Q on them. That's when people uh, back. And I think this is in 2018. They started paying attention to this. But when Reddit took action. You know, you you already had people showing up at Donald Trump's rallies with these signs. It had already gone into the the real world, and so it's it's great that Reddit took action in 2018, far ahead of Facebook, far ahead of uh, you know Twitter, and I'm I'm not really even sure what YouTube is doing, but uh, it, they 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 took a lot of action uh, recently. But again, this is something that's been going on for years, and it's something the platforms you know should have been aware of. They were aware of. They just didn't do anything. Uh, and, and Reddit gets credit for acting in 2018, but they acted, again, after it had started showing up in the real world. Elaborate a little bit, on um, Oliver, on those some of those real-world examples of how, how this stopped being something that people were talking about online that could arguably have maybe just been, well, they're creating fan fiction and, and writing ridiculous conspiracies. But at some point, it translated into having real-world effects on people's safety. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. a little bit on when, when that change took place maybe first and, and how, it, how it has become a threat in the real world off the Internet? Yeah, I, I think it's, it, there's, there's a couple um, different ways to categorize the, the, the real-world effects. Uh, one is the harassment the just general internet death threats that people get who have been targeted by this conspiracy theory. So you have people like Chrissy Teigen, who has just had her mentions online flooded with, with terrible things saying that she's, you know, eating children and that she's part of this, um, this satanic cult. Uh, you have others like Anderson Cooper who have been, you know, talking about this recently, have, how they are flooded with threats from QAnon believers. And so public figures have been, you know, taking taking a lot of heat online for for quite some time, um, and I don't I don't mean to uh, diminish that, but it, it is a, like you said, a little different than some of the things we've seen more recently. Uh, you know, Will Sommer, the Daily Beast, reported uh, that uh, QAnon had inspired someone to to kidnap her son. Um, there have been those uh, cases where QAnon inspired people have been arrested. You know, like I, I mentioned earlier, someone who was let's, arrested. Let's not skip over that. Someone, QAnon inspired people to kidnap someone's child, and and the child was actually kidnapped? 
yeah, I, I believe I believe that it was um, someone who had been inspired to to kidnap her own son, and then they they hid away um, from police. Uh, Will Sommer reported this at the Daily Beast. Um, you know, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but kidnap her, kidnap her own son. Right. Right. Got it. Who is in CPS and, custody? Okay. Ah. These are the people that are going on to to sort of do these dangerous acts that that you're talking about are are clearly people who seem like they they are prone to this sort of uh, conspiracy theory, right? And so it's it's people who are already either struggling with mental illness or something, some other issue that this they glom onto this and it really speaks to them and they find a way. Right to find importance in their world or get back their child who couldn't have just been taken from them because the state worried about the well-being uh, of that child, but because it's the deep state. It's it's this it. conspiratorial nature of people that, that glom onto this. And then they are the ones who go out and do these very dangerous things. That's why, you know, 99% of the QAnon people are probably just like doing fan fiction, like you said, right? Just like living their lives, ha- playing Dakota Ring, having a good time, go MAGA. But you have that 1%. And if you ha- if this is such a, 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 a an embraced theory, even embraced by the president, then that's going to only validate the people who really don't need to be spoon-fed this conspiracy. Right. So we're talking about two potentially, and I don't want to say, because I'm not, I don't know this, so correct me. We're talking about potentially two different groups here. One that may arguably be just acting like idiots online and saying things that are ridiculous. And perhaps even they know they're ridiculous, but they're saying them because it gets them attention and they have the anonymity of the Internet. And then you have another group of people who are susceptible. And there is, listen, there's a psychological trait that some people have that allows them or or makes them more susceptible to believe what they read without without research, um, but there's that second group of people who are falling for it and believing it and acting on it in ways that that they shouldn't. Is that is? Do you think that's an accurate uh, assessment of the two types of people who are a part of this QAnon movement or phenomenon? I think it's a spectrum, and I think that you're right about the two opposite ends of that spectrum. But I think that there's a whole whole universe of in-between of people that might be on one extreme and then can slowly be um, radicalized by this radical that might be fine when they're looking at QAnon at the beginning, but it become radicalized by what's really violent rhetoric and sort of a doomsday scenario where they're fighting good and evil. I, I think that's a compelling message. It's obviously, you know, drawn in lots of people, not just Trump supporters, not just MAGA, not just you know, mentally ill people, but, you know, a whole swath of people who really want this to be true. Do you right. think and the president it's also, falls on that spectrum somewhere? Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Do you think the president, Oliver, falls on that spectrum somewhere? Uh, I don't know. Uh, who, who, it's hard to get into the president's head, but what we do know is that he's, for years, retweeted, you know, QAnon believers, giving them winks and nods, and most recently at the White House, uh, sort of uh, embraced the theory. So, you know, regardless of whether he believes it or not, I, I'm not sure he does. I think he views these as as supporters that he doesn't want to alienate by condemning the theory, which in itself is is dangerous, right? Because as Brandy was saying, you don't want to be validating uh, views that can lead to real world violence or real world acts. Um, I, I think one thing that we should keep in mind, again, though, is that uh, 
there are a lot of people who believe this, and, and they might not be prone to, you know, maybe a good chunk of them aren't prone to acting out and, and, and you know, aren't inspired to real-world violence, but that doesn't negate the fact that there are a lot of people out there who buy into this virtual cult who are members of it. And um, again, you know, I think it sounds bananas to us because, you know, maybe our minds haven't been corrupted by years of reading junk news and, and being fed propaganda. But there are a lot of people who, who whose minds have been primed to believe a crazy thing like QAnon. And it, it's sad and it's, it's uh, you know, shocking. It sounds shocking to a lot of people like us, maybe. But it's certainly a thing. And I, I just don't think we should be dismissive and, and assume that some people are, are, you know, are just in it for fun. Maybe, maybe that's the case for a lot of people. Um, but there are certainly a lot of others who do live and breathe these sort of conspiracy theories. It's, it's a cons- would it be considered a QAnon conspiracy theory or just a, a regular old Trump conspiracy theory to say that the post office and mail-in voting is a, uh, is, is a sham I mean, the, the president has, I don't want to use incendiary terms, but I can't think of others, so I'll use them anyway. <laughs> the president has peddled in, in some conspiracy theories himself about how mail-in voting can be rigged, um, and, and he seems to have been perpetuating some things that certainly don't go as far as eating children, but that, other, that some people would consider, you know, conspiracy theories designed to help his election chances, perhaps. Are those QAnon theories, too? I mean, is QAnon becoming synonymous with the Trump world, with with Trump supporters, Brandy? Well, I mean, there are, again, it's, it's a, I think, Oliver, you described it really well, being an umbrella, because it really does it invites all other conspiracies too. So the deep state means, yes, not only do they eat children, but yep, mail-in, vo- mail-in voting, they're also going to rig that for you. Anything that hurts Donald Trump is in this conspiracy. So if Donald Trump says that there is a conspiracy at the post office to steal the election from him, well then yes, that is part of the deep state. So anything can sort of be wrapped up in this. And and again, yes. And also because Q, whoever is posting is Q, um, also seems to want a large audience as well. He's often reacting to sort of news of the day. Um, and so we'll weigh in on things that just happen. Oliver, do you do you want to weigh in on that particular question, though? I mean, is there a... Yeah. Well, well, we talked about, you talked about the post office theory that Trump's pushed, but he also, and I don't know if it was last night, but this week he pushed a theory that Joe Biden's not really in charge of his own campaign, right? Joe Biden's not in charge. Uh, Trump said that there are people in dark shadows who are really in charge of Joe Biden's campaign. And it kind of, you know, it, it mimics uh, some of what you might hear in these uh, QAnon message board you know that 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 there's a you know that uh puppet master, which is ironic you know, behind the scenes considering no one knows who q is do anybody know who q is no no one no one no one yeah. really knows who q is and, so talk about uh, dark shadows <laughs> right right and so but but you can see how that gives life when the president of the united states comes out and says that biden's not in charge of his campaign that there's you know someone in dark shadows charge of the campaign how that gives life to people who believe in the QAnon 
uh, conspiracy because because part of what they believe is that the world is you know run by these elitists who are running this uh, satan you know satanic elitists who are running this child sex trafficking ring and so when the president says that you know Joe Biden's not in charge these powerful people behind the scenes in the shadows are really in charge it it, it gives life it, it it helps them believe in in this theory it affirms it if you will. I'm Dr. Wendy Walsh, host of the podcast, Mating Matters. I believe nearly every human behavior is motivated by a desire for love, sex, or to hedge your reproductive odds. I think women have this ability to plant these mental bombs into a man's mind. But the thing about humor is that the value of humor, it goes up. We're wired to reproduce. To them, it was a super female. It was a giant female. And they were lured into, um, into trying to mate with it. The science of love is fascinating. It's a bizarre form of biohacking, really. If you have the 7 or plus gene, you are more likely to be involved in an affair, yes. That's where some of the research gets really intriguing. There's so many ways to be a human. But I must say, sex between three people can get complicated. In a nutshell, the Kinsey scale looked at two things, sexual fantasies and actual sexual behavior. Listen to Mating Matters on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ariel Demaros, and I'm hosting a new podcast called Vice News Reports. With so much going on around the world, so many people telling you they have the definitive take on the news. We bring you to the news so you can hear it for yourself. From the newsroom that has earned more Emmy nominations than any other news team, this podcast goes where the story is, from conflict zones to the labyrinth of digital life. You've never traveled quite like this. Get the Vice News Reports podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I have to say, every at least once every episode, I have to say that I own my bias because the producers like to drink every time I say it. So I, I, will, I will own it now and say that obviously... I am a progressive, I'm a Democrat, and, and I'm, I support Joe Biden. But I say that because I want to ask what you think someone who was conservative, if, someone, if, if, if a Republican or a Trump supporter were hosting this particular podcast, would they not say that there is an equivalent to QAnon on the left? Um, is it fair to say that there are just as fantastic of conspiracy theories on the left also? I, I think there are certainly conspiracy theories on the left, right? Conspiracy theories aren't unique to uh, Republicans or conservatives. Um, what I would say, though, is that they don't have powerful people like the president of the United States, you know, affirming those beliefs, retweeting those, those sort of things on a very regular basis at this point, right? You know, it, almost every day, if not every day. And there, so, there are Democrat politicians regularly tweeting that, that President Trump is trying to steal the election or that he is planning on having Bill, he and Bill Barr are in cahoots to try to get the votes from certain precincts thrown out because of, you know, I mean, aren't, I mean, Sure, but those, let's, let's be clear, that, right? those, those sort of things don't even get close to rivaling the idea that democratic politicians are, you know, satanic pedophiles secretly and they're operating this child sex trafficking ring, right? There are, yeah, but there which are is worse because, I mean, which is worse because I, I'm just, again, playing devil's advocate here. Sure. I have, it's hard to have sympathy 
I mean, listen, I don't want anybody being mean to Chrissy Teigen, um, <laughs> but she's a national <laughs> treasure as far as I'm concerned, especially on Twitter. However, it's hard to have sympathy for someone simply because people are talking crap about them on social media. I, I, if I search my name on Twitter at any given moment, there will be at least 10 um, within the last hour really nasty things said about me. There's a whole sticks and sure. stones thing that comes into play. So I kind of look at Democratic politicians are eating babies with the same sort of eye roll and give me a fucking break uh, attitude as I do to some of those. The real world implications come when people act on those conspiracy theories, right? If there are real world implications to conservative conspiracy theories, and those turn out to be like the ones you've mentioned have happened already, or perhaps those turn out to be, um, turn out to result in what we've seen in in Portland with counter protesters going and shooting paintball guns with Kyle Rittenhouse in in Kenosha uh, shooting some protesters this past week. If those real implications happen there, is it not just as possible that some progressive conspiracy theories, such as Donald Trump is trying to rig the election, could turn into danger down the road after the election if it looks as if though Trump has won or if it looks as if though Trump has tried to steal the election? Isn't it possible that some of those progressive conspiracy theories could end up being as dangerous in the real world as some of the conservative ones? Yeah, I just, I, I, I guess I would, I mean, the, 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 the issue really is, you know, the, let's, let's take the Donald Trump is trying to rig the election conspiracy theory. You know, Donald Trump himself said in an interview he was, you know, effectively not wanting to fund the post office because if you don't fund it, then, then they can't do mail-in ballots. So, you know, there are, you know, the president, I think, ends up feeding a lot of this stuff himself and then, and then complains when he's the subject of, of uh, people saying that he wants to uh, rig the election. Well, you know, he shouldn't say things like this publicly right. if he doesn't want those accusations against him. Or Joe Biden, you know, had said something like, I think uh, the president might try delaying the election. And, and then Trump's campaign denounced it as a conspiracy theory. And then Trump himself floated, maybe we should delay the election. And so I, I, it's, it's difficult. He's also an idiot. I mean, well, he, he does I mean, it, he says things States, and then uh, acts a different way, right? I mean, I, but I guess I, the reason I ask that is because if if we were to expect some group like some company like Twitter or Facebook to have recognized the danger behind Hillary Clinton is eating children mm -hmm. back when most of them looked at it and thought, okay, this is ridiculous. No one's going to believe this. No one's going to play into this. If If we feel like they didn't act fast enough on that, would it not be fair to say perhaps they should be acting faster on any conspiracy theory, anything false that is spread on their forums right now, even if they are things that, you know, perhaps they believe are valid? You know, the president is trying to steal the election, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the line? At what point does a place like Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or uh, YouTube, at what point should they be expected to see the dangers ahead based up from a tweet that someone tweets? Right. I mean, that gets, that's the million dollar question. Where, where is the line? And that gets tricky. Uh, and, and there might not be a great answer, right? There, 
there might be a bit of a gray area that's that's difficult terrain to read. Um, I think social media companies generally would tell you that if it incites real world violence, um, that is a a pretty pretty red line, and so they're going to take action on content that that might result in real world you know violence. And so I think with QAnon, that's that's a clear uh, that's that's what they're saying here is that this this group is is dangerous and, and, and it could and it has you know it resulted in, in different uh, real world events. Um, but it's a tricky question, you know. Like they, they, Mark Zuckerberg has made it very clear he's not interested in being the arbiter of the truth. He, he's you know okay essentially with people sharing conspiracy theories on. Maybe the he's eating babies. <laughs> you know, I mean there. <laughs> It, there, there was, I think, an ad, right? That, that, that a deep fake, right? That they came out and and someone uh, did a deep fake of Mark Zuckerberg to make a point that, um, you know, how how does it feel when when the table is reversed and, and he's being subjected to disinformation? Um, but you know, it, it's 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 tricky. I, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I feel bad about that. But well, listen, it, you don't need to answer it. That's not. I mean, if you could answer it. You should be running for president instead. I mean, I, but I do wonder <laughs> if there is a way to stop this type of thing. Are we able to stop Q, his or herself? Are we able to stop QAnon itself? Or are we just sort of going to need to resign ourselves to the fact that this is, this is America in the mm-hmm. 2020s? I, I think a, a large part of this could come down to to less of maybe combating specific conspiracy theories and more of looking at the structures in place that allow for them to flourish on social media platforms. And so social media platforms, you know, the algorithms are always designed to maximize engagement. And conspiracy theories tend to do well in terms of engagement, right? They play to people's fears. They um, they aim to explain the world away. They, they you know, like Q... Um, Give the give people the um, feeling that they're sharing something you know secret with with their en- entire friends and family base. So it's kind of exciting, right? If you have something that you know and no one else knows, you want to share it. And, and so, social media platforms, their algorithms have have really incentivized people to share these kind of things, and it, it, um, it, and they've also incentivized pages, you know, uh, to share these sort of things, and they do well. And so I think. You know, if we step back and we we say maybe instead of looking at how we can um, quell a specific conspiracy theory, if the social platforms looked at the algorithms, why people are pushed toward these things, why these these pieces of content do well on their platforms, that you know that might have a a, a better effect in the long term because this is the this is the hot thing right now. But who knows what the hot conspiracy theory in ten years from now is going to be? And if you Take a look at, I guess, the uh, structures in place and, and and work on fixing those. You might have a larger effect in the long run. But is there? But who can make those rules? I mean, it, if if the government makes the rules, then the government has put in place rules that abridge free speech, right? But if a private company like Facebook were all of a sudden to dis- or Twitter, more likely, were all of a sudden to decide that it was going to restrict free speech on its own platform, because they can, um, if it's private, wouldn't that just result in an alternative? There's another alternative to Twitter that, that people are trying to go to. I can't remember the name of it. You might, but right. uh, a, a 
conservative version of Twitter. Wouldn't that just result if Twitter blocked fake news and blocked lies in people just moving to another platform? I mean, has the First Amendment essentially permitted people to have whatever conspiratorial view they want? And well, talk about well one, there's a reason you can't remember um, the other app, Parler. It's because most people are still on Twitter, right? If for everyone now, had, but right, but if everyone had left Twitter and, and gone to Parler, um, we would we would all know the name of the app. I, I think, though, right. what I'm saying is not necessarily um, talking about banning certain content or um, or erasing it from platforms, but more of looking at the algorithms. And let's say you post a crazy conspiracy theory, and your friend posts, you know a New York Times article, which one should get the most engagement, right? Which one should be put in the feeds of other people when they log on to Facebook? Right now, I, I think, you know, that it's, it's, it's you know, that, that, that these, these outlandish posts, these outlandish theories end up getting a lot more engagement than the, you know, straight down the middle New York Times story on, on coronavirus. And I think if, social media platforms maybe did some introspection and looked at why, you know, um, a conspiracy theory was doing better on their platform than, you know, straight news or, or you know, things tethered to the real world. Um, and, and, and they could maybe tweak their algorithms to to uh, account for that. that. That would be perhaps a, a good thing. And, and there's also been a lot of talk about YouTube, right? People were, were logging on to YouTube and they maybe watch a Fox News video, and then they get pushed down to a slightly more conservative commentator, and then a slightly more conservative commentator, and four or five clicks later, they're you know listening to a white nationalist ranting about um, you know racist things. And so YouTube has said that they're going to take a that, that they've implemented tweaks into the algorithm to prevent this from happening. But it's a good example of what I'm talking about. Instead of restricting what people can say or do on the platform, it's also very um, possible for the platforms to just make sure that it doesn't incentivize these outlandish um, theories, these outlandish comments from just flourishing on their platforms. Does okay, that make sense? so social media tries to not incentivize it, but what about the political parties themselves? Because they're, they're both, both of them are sort of incentivizing... <laughs> This time, right. social media is running the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. I mean, do you do you think that statement has truth to it? I I, I think that a lot of our leaders do fan the flames of of these of these things, and I'm not sure, you know, if this is just a moment that we're in, whether this is something that you know goes away in ten years or whether this is sort of the reality we're going to be living in for the rest of our lives. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I think about that a lot. I would hope that if... Have you the, had to be medicated? <laughs> if I had to think about that a lot, I wouldn't need something. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I have no idea, and, and maybe you do. I, I don't, I, I just, I, I, I think about it, and I, I wonder whether this is just going to be an ongoing information war or whether it will, like other wars, come to an end. Um, but I, I really do think that a large part of the problem is companies like Facebook and like Twitter and YouTube not taking seriously enough um, managing 
their own platforms and realizing that the real the real world impact that um, their decisions can make. And, and I think you're starting to see that now, right? Um, for instance, last election, the idea of fake news and Russian disinformation um, was was not talked about a bunch until after the election. And and you know, four years later, you're you're seeing a lot more realization from platforms that that these things are ha- taking place. These wars are being fought. On their Certain sites. reactions, but not much proaction, not much proactivity on their part, right? To, um, to try I, to stop. I think you know, I think it's it, it's maybe a mix of both. I, I I do think there hasn't been enough proactivity on a lot of things that they do. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, Kevin Roos at the New York Times will tweet out the top ten you know stories trending on Facebook you know pretty frequently, and and some of them end up being false, and you're wondering you know how is this video of a doctor saying that you know, we don't need masks and that coronavirus has a cure, the number one thing on Facebook and Facebook hasn't taken action yet and until, you know, it's tweeted out by a New York Times reporter. Uh, you know, things like that are, are just baffling to me. But, you know, they also took down a, um, you know, acting on a tip from the FBI, of course, but they took down uh, a, a page that was um, masquerading as a news outlet uh, the other day that ended up being um, backed by, uh, by um, the... Uh, I'm blanking on the name, the IR, the Russian disinformation. It was Russian disinformation. So they, they, they are taking some action. They're getting better at it. I, whether it's enough, I, I don't think it is, but they are getting better at it. Um, do, you think, do you think, simply because it's the topic today, I want to kind of circle back to it a little bit. Do you think that QAnon is a, on a scale from one to 10, how big of a threat is it to the United States or to the Republican Party? How much of a influence, how much influence do you think that particular phenomenon, QAnon itself, mm-hmm. has over the Republican Party today? I think it's dangerous, but I, I, again, I would say that it's more of a symptom of where the Republican Party is. Uh, you know, I, someone put it really well the other day was that the Republican Party has sort of lost the antibodies to fight off some of these fringy things that they would have, uh, you know, maybe five years ago. And so it allows a theory like QAnon to spread through the party pretty quickly. And then you have the president obviously embracing this and fanning Even the though several of the, several of the bigger named politicians have specifically come out and said that it was ludicrous. I mean, even Lindsey Graham, who let's not pretend has been a independent thinker in the last few years, mm-hmm. even he has come out and, and pretty pretty vigorously disavowed QAnon and some of their theories. So even with people who heretofore have been sort of up Trump's butt, I mean, even with them coming out and saying, this is ridiculous, you still think that it continues to be a, a, a reasonable threat to the party and that they don't have the antibodies to fight it off? Yeah, because at this point, it's a raging wildfire. Lindsey Graham standing there with his like garden hose. <laughs> Right. It's not it's 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 beyond Lindsey Graham, you know, coming out and, and dismissing it. This is something that's really flourished through in, within the party. And so you probably need the party's head to um, be clear eyed and come out and if, say that if I don't the party's want... head were no longer Donald Trump. Do you think it would start to subside or do you think it would? It's hard. Continue? It's hard to tell because it's hard to tell what the Republican Party is right now. It seems like a party of Trump more than, you know, what it may be was formerly, which was something that stood for, you know, traditional conservative values. It now just seems to be the party of Trump and a, a cult of personality. So it, it's hard to tell 
you know, whether what the party looks like post Trump and and, you know, therefore whether um, you would have a leader that would come out and, and condemn these these sort of things um, and whether you, it would even matter. Right. If they did. I think that's why Lindsey Graham coming out. That's good for him that he came out. But you really need the more Trumpy people in the party to come out. I think, uh, you know, Donald Trump Jr. Maybe uh, even the hosts on Fox, guys like Tucker Carlson. This is where these people get their news. These are the people they look to. And and while Lindsey Graham has become a buddy of the president and uh, in, in some respects, uh, he's still not really the uh, the top politician, if you will, that uh, that QAnon supporters or even uh, you know really you know strong members of the Republican Party base, I think, look to uh, when they, when they think about these things. Okay. Um, we got a lot of questions from listeners this week because I think people are sort of, you know, just fascinated uh, with this topic. Um, so I'm going to throw you some of these. We do our quick fire round. We take questions from the audience. Uh, you can send them in to us at Politicon on Twitter or Instagram at Politicon, or you can email them to us, podcasts at Politicon.com. Um, Oliver Javier from Miami asks, my work buddy is always talking about QAnon conspiracy theories. How can I deprogram him? That's that's tricky. <laughs> um, one one I think it, it's important. Um, well, it, it's it's generally difficult when you have a friend or family member who's falling for disinformation, right? And um, you know, at one thing that you just don't want to do off the bat is you don't want to be hostile or um, or you know condescending when it comes to. Um, trying to sway someone that what they're believing is is not true. Um, I actually wrote a story uh, a few months ago that I would recommend this person to go read about how to um, talk to people when they fall for misinformation. And, and I think one thing that they can do is push to- these, these individuals toward more authoritative sources um, like the New York Times. You know, have you read this? This is interesting. How do you swear? You know, be inquisitive. How do you swear... Um, you saying this with with this never happening, um, you can engage this person respectfully and and try um, pushing them towards some more authoritative sources. I think in a respectful way, uh, that, that that's that's certainly one one thing I would recommend. Yes, I have never found any success, and and I don't know if my family necessarily buys into the QAnon theories, but we certainly don't agree on much. I've never ever once had any success getting someone to change their mind by telling them they're wrong. Um, so Right. It's uh, just, just not. And, and I think just even saying something like, you know, why do you believe in this crazy conspiracy theory? That's going right. to push them further toward it. So maybe you ask them, I would ask them, you know, what do you believe? What, what, is it, what is it about this theory you believe? Let them say it out loud that I believe that the world is run by these satanic pedophiles who, you know, and that Donald Trump's secretly been recruited by the military. It sounds a little bit more nuts when, when someone might say it out loud and let them explain it to you. And then you can ask inquisitive questions, you know, uh, about it. And, and then you can maybe point them towards some more authoritative sources um, and, and hope that that maybe this has some impact on them. But it's, it is, I, I, I can see it fully, very difficult when people get sucked into a virtual cult to get them out. And maybe you need to you know, talk to uh, intervention. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Ira from Pittsburgh, kind of, kind of continuing on with that question. Ira from Pittsburgh asks, people say Q's wrong, but do the Epstein and Maxwell scandals prove 
that something is going on? I think, you know, so most conspiracy theories, there are these like grains of truth in them, right? That's what makes a really good conspiracy theory when when there is just a, a, a dose of truth and, and it allows people to kind of cling to that and point to that. And I think that in this case, you know, the Epstein, um, the Epstein case really does, it, it really does um, serve as a um, crucial piece of evidence, I think, to a lot of people who are like, wait a second, look at, look at, look at, the, look at Epstein and, and all of his powerful friends and, and politics in Hollywood. And then they use that as a jumping, you know, as a trampoline to jump off of. Um, it can be true that Epstein was 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 running this uh, terrible, um, you know, child sex ring, and it can also be true that that these people are not literally running the world um, or it, eating children. Exactly. I or, keep coming or, back or to eat this children. eating children thing. It is just fascinating to me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Brandy, I want to ask you: Do you think there is an there is a counter on the left to? Uh, to QAnon, do you think that there are conspiracy theories on the left that are just as, I mean, certainly, hopefully, not as wild as the child-eating thing, but do you think that there are conspiracy theories on the left that should be addressed or knocked down also? So, first, I just want to say unequivocally, no. Um, I don't. <laughs> but uh, there's some wiggle room in there, so no, but. Um, <laughs> Because because you, to understand QAnon, you have to understand, as Oliver, I know, probably answered this so well, because he does so clearly understand this, there is a clear machine on the right that the left has never replicated. So there's a machine on the right, on the left, on the, I'm sorry, on the far right that has sort of um, made a business out of fake news and conspiracy theories and laundering them up the chain. So... While there are, I think, some conspiracy theorists generally who probably overinflate, you know, um, Russia's influence in our election, every single thing that I report on will be like, it was Russia. Like, okay, well, you know, calm down. Um, <laughs> there are some, you know, um, there are some people who I think, again, overinflate maybe Russia's influence or think that there's bots everywhere when it's in fact like, no, that's, we do a very fine job of of posting, you know, hundreds of times a day, really politically incendiary speech. Like that's a person. It's not always a bot. It's not always Russia, but there's no, there's no main stream um, media apparatus on the left that operates in the same way that something can come off of QAnon, can insert themselves into a place like, you know, big league politics or gateway pundit, and then can slowly weave its way again to the president of the United States. Like we just, they just, the left just doesn't have that apparatus in place. And so whatever conspiracy would, would flow through there just doesn't have the same power. Is, is there not danger in both sides, from both sides, in sort of fanning the flames of some sort of conspiracy in some way? No, there's not danger on both sides. There's not. I, I don't okay. show me the the far left mass murderer that you've seen in recent years. Show me the far left conspiracy that's causing real world violence. Show me the the far left or even the left politician that's really engaging in conspiracy theories that aren't like fully, um, you know, based in Donald Trump's own statements. It's just listen to go back. 
I was one of the few reporters who was actually reporting on Epstein in, you know, the mid aughts before Epstein became a thing. Like I had reported all of that out. So like, no one knows better than me that there sometimes bad things are real, but you know, those, those things are often chased by reporters who want like, who want juicy stories, who want exclusives, who want to tell the truth. So the idea that we're sort of like, like not, like we're hiding these as part of the deep state, which we are apparently in QAnon speak, especially CNN. Sorry, Oliver. Um, (laughs) But like the the idea that we're like colluding is just nonsense. And, you know, again, if, if there's a conspiracy on the left, I would love to break the story of Joe Biden, you know, spreading a birther conspiracy about Donald Trump, but it's just not there. Um, Once it is, I'll be the first one like typing it up, but it it just doesn't exist. Is is Antifa not a counter to QAnon at all? Explain why that would not be worth worth mentioning when you discuss QAnon on the right and Antifa on the left. There are certainly people who would say Antifa is just as dangerous as QAnon might be. Why is it not? Yeah, sure. So, and well, again, like show me the Antifa mass murder, show me the Antifa kidnapping, show me, show me that. And I'm willing to, to, to talk about it. I've, I've reported that Antifa is a loose coalition of far left groups who use violence to counter what they think is far right violence. And, you know, the idea behind, behind Antifa is that, you know, if we had, if, if they, if people had brawled, in the streets, the Nazis, as they were coming to power, maybe they would never come to power. So it, it is, they fully embrace their violence. Now, just as Joe Biden has said, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of people say that that violence is not actually helpful. A lot of people say that it undermines the movement. Um, it's, it's, I, I think, yeah, violence on both sides is terrible. It's just that violence on both sides, it's not, it's not happening and happening in equal measure. Okay. Um, well, let's return to some of the questions from our, our listeners. Lily. Oh, wait, can Madison. I just... Um, yeah, please. Oh, no, I just want to go back and say one more thing. There's also yeah, yeah. A, a vast conspiracy theory that Antifa, and this is really dangerous, and we've seen how dangerous it is for like real small towns, is that Antifa is coming to your suburb. Antifa is coming to your home. And what we see is that right-wing militia groups come and based on these Facebook groomers and you know tweets from the president they come and they come armed ready to defend their town and what they really do and i've reported on this several times is they just intimidate uh you know some people of color in their small white towns and make them go away and scare them from coming to black lives matter protests Uh, again i think antifa is real it's a loose you know group and it's not really organized and it's hard to sort of point to the president of antifa and say yes he's really bad like it is to the you know leader of a local militia that's threatening violence but but it's hard um, to point but, to the leader of QAnon too right we oh don't know well who Q is do we no we know who we know some people who are making you know money off of QAnon but QAnon again is 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 it's it's not the same as Antifa Antifa is a a, a response to perceived right-wing violence I'm not saying it's right I I, I you know no one's asking me personally but I personally don't uh, believe that fighting is great. I teach my kids not to do it, uh, to turn the other cheek. It seems like people like John Lewis had much more, um, you know, uh, had a better, had much more success and not doing that. And, and what it does is it gives the president ammunition 
right? It gives the people in charge ammunition to say, look how dangerous these people are. Um, so I don't love it actually, <laughs> but it's, it's, I'm a reporter. So no one's asking my opinion. I report what I see and I'm just, I don't see, there's no evidence of, you know, sprawling Antifa mobs coming to your suburbs and, you know, this, um, great Antifa danger to anybody, but the right wing caravans that come armed with, you know, paintball guns and pepper spray and, 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 and real guns to combat them. They've been fight Antifa and far right groups like Patriot prayer have been fighting in the Portland streets for years. It's again, politically expedient for Donald Trump to to point to it now and say, look at this danger. It can come for you next. Um, Brandy Craig from Dallas asks, should Facebook be sanctioned for spreading QAnon theories? Sanctioned by whom? <laughs> Great question. I don't know, Craig. Craig isn't here, to, so I think you can take it however you want to. I, yeah, I, I mean, Facebook is a private company, and you know they can, or you know, they 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 don't have to answer to the government. They can do what they want. Um, so, um, you know, besides being beholden to shareholders, um. It's, it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess. Should sorry, the government step in that. and start regulating well, certain things, how? certain because places you can, like Facebook? You can, but no, no, no. Cause it, 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 it really, Facebook is so big right now. Like, I don't know besides what are you going to do? Like, um, regulate content management, um, regulate, you know, community standards. Like I, I just, I'm not smart enough to know the answer to that. I'm the sort of reporter who can document the harm and is very, um, you know, involved in extremist groups, whether they be QAnon or militias or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't really know the answer to this. All I know is that, you know, it's too big. I can say that because, you know, Facebook often says to me, and they're, they're just the worst of it. So I often harp on Facebook. I'm sorry. But Facebook has often said um, that, you know, it's just, it's just a tiny bit. It's like less than 1% of all of our, content and all of our groups and all of our, you know, communities is, is extremist stuff. Like it, you're harping on the little bit, but now we can see that that tiny piece has an outsized impact and it's only getting worse. I mean, think internationally, we're seeing genocide in other countries here, you know, we're seeing violence erupt being planned on Facebook groups. And this isn't really anything new. It's just being looked at more closely now because we're in the middle of an election and the, you know, the country is in turmoil, but this has always gone on. Something needs to happen. Something needs to be done. There definitely needs to be outside people looking in uh, because Facebook has been grading its old homework for years and, and it's just not trustworthy. It's really funny when you think about the fact that back in 2000 and the mid 2000s, they were, uh, you couldn't even get a Facebook page unless you had a college email address and they focused all of their energy on marketing themselves to college students. Brilliant idea, brilliant strategy, marketing strategy. But one wonders if if Mark Zuckerberg realized that 15 years later, uh, so much of his platform would end up being uh, older. <laughs> what, one thing, can I jump in real quick? theories like this, please, Oliver, hop in. One, th one thing I would say is that Facebook is a private company, um, and they did sort of have a at least a slap on the wrist, if you will, from a lot of advertisers in the month of July who are protesting Facebook for uh, of one thing uh, of spreading uh, conspiracy theories and allowing hate to flourish on their platform. And so, you know, maybe that's just something that we'll forget about in a year. Maybe more advertisers eventually will, will, will um, you know, be part of 
future boycotts like that. But you did see some pushback from advertisers for the first time, you know, in an organized fashion uh, recently. And it had to do with the spread of hate and misinformation and conspiracy theories. On and we the also platform. saw Mark Zuckerberg roll his eyes pretty heavily at it, didn't we? Well, you know, Facebook did announce some stuff and, and they, they did they did meet with the leaders of this group. And I, I think the thing about Facebook you have to understand is that they react to public relations crises. And so while the actual, like, you know, I, I'm not sure that Facebook's really worried about, you know, or, or, or hurting over the money they lost, uh, but they, they did you know, the, the, the boycott did prompt a, a, a pretty bad news cycle for Facebook. And Facebook's always trying to avoid doing those things, and they react very quickly to um, bad press. And so um, they boy, boycotts like right that do spotlight <laughs> these issues and put more pressure on Facebook to, you know, react and to, um, to take these things more seriously. Okay. Last question from our listeners, um, and my favorite one of the week. Kara from Louisville, for either one of you, both of you. Kara from Louisville asks, should we believe the recent Pentagon disclosures about aliens? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, since we're talking about conspiracies, maybe that's why I fell in here, but um, I was fascinated (laughs) by this particular story in general, so I'd love to get your thoughts on it, both of you. Uh, Oliver? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to let you handle that one, Randy. (laughs) No one wants to touch it. Um, Well, let me ask you this last for both of you. I know you're you're reporters and you you aren't necessarily always asked for your opinions, but I want to get it right now as we end. You both have covered not just conspiracies and, and media, but I mean, you've both gone all over the country and covered a lot of stuff. And you see, as Oliver, you mentioned just a little bit ago, we are incredibly divided and polarized. And certainly these conspiracy theories, these online social media groups are just making it more and more difficult for people to listen to each other because we fall into our little bubbles and we only listen to the people we agree with. We become more and more polarized. Brandy, Oliver, both of you, how the heck are we going to get along? Um, so I, I'm a li- I'm a librarian. That was my job in a former life, and I worked the reference desk. And I, um, you know, answered uh, in a lot of ways. It was not that different because someone would come up to me in the Vermont, um, the Burlington Public Library, where I was working the reference desk, and would say, "I've heard this crazy thing," and I got to say oh, okay, well, let's just slow down a minute. Let me give you some reliable sources. And, you know, let's, let's talk through this before you, before you get the mayor's address, like you've also asked me for it. Let, let's <laughs> just talk through this. And, and honestly, like I, I have a lot of faith in people and individuals to want to do the right thing. So all of my faith relies there. And I think, um, I think it's, I don't think this is a conservative or, are a, a liberal issue, actually. I think it's an issue of truth. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think once things somehow, I hope, get a little less insane, um, people will be on the search for truth instead of just on the search for uh, verification of, of what they believe. Oliver, um, any insights? I think, um, I think everyone should step back a little bit and try to understand where the neighbors and, and friends and family are coming from. I think, uh, you know, if we all tone down 
um, you know, the rhetoric and uh, try being a little bit more empathetic toward others. That would that would go a long way. But I, I just don't. Given the hyperpartisan times we're in, it just seems very difficult for for things like that to happen, which is sad. But you know, I I am I'm very I'm, I'm much less optimistic than I think than others are. Uh, I just don't know how we get back to a world where everyone, or at least the majority of people, agree on a set of shared facts, a set of shared values. It just seems we're we're so split. It's it's difficult to see. To see that reality, and not not to discount it or the possibility, but um, there are so many different forces at play dividing America today. That um, and, and each of them are are, are are big, right? You know, you have Fox News on one side, um, you have Facebook and, and Twitter and YouTube on the others. You have political leaders like the President of the United States, um, and, and so um, it's not one one thing or another. Um, there's just multiple different forces at play that are, are really uh, fanning the flames in, in this country. And, and I, I, it's, it's difficult for me to see a way out of this. It's, you know, I, I don't have a good answer. Well, you answered honestly, and that's, that's half the battle. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Oliver Darcy, Brandy Zadrozny, thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing your expertise and, and enlightening us into this somewhat scary and quite ridiculous world. Um, and I certainly appreciate it. I, I've got a, I've got a run. I've got a, a child in the oven right now. Um, but <laughs> oh, no, no, don't say that. <laughs> I know it'll come back and it'll come back and haunt me at some point when I, oh if God. I ever decide to do anything publicly again. Oh goodness! <laughs> Thank you both. <laughs> Thank Call you both. Me. Thank you both so much. I appreciate you coming on uh, to to explain this to us and talk us through it. Um, and uh, you, if you're listening, we'll be back next week with another episode of How the Heck Are We Gonna Get Along? On September 17th, 2009, 24-year-old Mitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California, and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to Mitrice Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 13 Days of Halloween. A remote hotel, the most unusual guests, a tour guide that can't be trusted. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? They sound like someone you trust. I know you Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. One story each night, starting October 19th and ending on Halloween. From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.